would like to just say amen to everything that we've heard already this morning um, from the brothers from devotions and Sunday school classes, the Word of God, and um, praise to Him for that. Um, thinking of the encouragement of <coughs> of uh, um, of love, love in the brotherhood, and learning more of God that God is love. So just found some verses here I thought I'd open with in, in that regards. It says that Psalms 119, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Just the, you could say that the evidence or the strength of God's word, if we can take it within us. Isaiah 40, The grass withers, the flower fadeth, but the word of the God shall stand forever. Again, um, Matthew 5, 18, For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass away, there's not one jot. Or one tittle shall in no wise pass in the law to it all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. 1 Peter 1.25 But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So <clears throat> I think if we want to learn to love our brothers in love that Christ has given us as, and as he has loved the world, God so loved the world, and when you just think about that, the way you always process that before was like, you know, it's like we're not supposed to love the world, and yet John three sixteen says God so loved the world. Didn't say that he loved sin, but he loved the world, you know, and all that is in it. <clears throat> and then uh, Psalms one nineteen again, how sweet are thy words unto my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then the last one I'd, that I marked on that was simply 1 Peter 2, 2, that as a newborn babe, you know, he, he tells us that when we're babes, we desire milk and we should grow from there. Other scriptures that say that, but in Peter, he said, as newborn babes, we should desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I don't know that that should ever become less in our lives. We should always just have a desire for that like a newborn has a desire for milk, you know. When he has a desire for milk, he cries out, right? He makes a wah noise. He's hungry. And so therefore, Peter there was uh, encouraging us, you know, whoever's reading it, he's encouraging us. We should cry out for that milk, which is the word, is the word of God, that we can grow thereby. <clears throat> so, um. That's not my message today, I guess, and I don't know if my message today has anything to do with <coughs> the outline that I had chosen here, has anything to do with brotherhood love. So um, I would like to go through these. It's going to take a take a couple Sundays a little bit, but <coughs> in an, I don't know, it, it was, prov I don't know if I shouldn't say provoked, but it was invoked by a conversation um, <coughs> and caused me to think about, I guess, in the past week and, and, uh, and study somewhat into what I could find in regards to uh, <clears throat> um, the, who were the Pharisees, I guess, that Jesus talked about? Who were the Pharisees? What do, what do you, what's your background knowledge of a Pharisee? I know William said sometimes we get into the background and this and that, and he just likes just to read the word and as it is, but I think maybe we need to get a little understanding of 
where these people come from and why are they talked about in the Bible? What was their what were their roots? You know, what was they what was they designed to be? Um, I learned this that even today, um, in the Jew in the Jewish culture, the name the name attached as a the name of Pharisee attached to someone is very respected among modern day Jews. It's it's actually a respected title. You know, have you ever thought that would could be a respected title? Well, the only way that you are going to understand this respected title if we learn a little bit about where they come from and what, how the, with their origination. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just going to share what I found. Okay. Um, and it's not just the Pharisees, okay? We, we want to understand this group of people who they are, but I think Jesus talked about the spirit of the Pharisees. It's their, their spirit that they had. Um, <clears throat> one other thing I thought about in what William had shared there at last about being, you know, um, commending ourselves among ourselves or, you know, sharing that is probably, the, probably we struggle in, in, in having a more a spirit of gratitude about life, about God, about our families, about who we are, about our church, about you know about people around us, just be have be thankful, be be have a gratitude, a thankful attitude. <clears throat> um, one thing about these people, you know, um, when Jesus encountered them, as we read through the Gospels, that there was one of his biggest conflicting factors that he faced you know they they created great conflict in jesus's message when he came um it creates a lot of conflict <clears throat> it was a it was a <clears throat> the the pharisees stood for so much that had gone wrong in israel's efforts to follow god um <clears throat> also tells me here that it was not it's not just an ancient problem it's not something that's way back there um, hundreds of years ago, back to the year of, of 600 and even before that, <clears throat> it's not just an ancient problem that, uh, that these, conflicts had, these conflicts came about or came between Jesus and the Pharisees. Um, I, I won't, I, my goal is to examine my life in, in regards to a Pharisee back in that day or a modern-day Pharisee today. I want to examine myself and see where I, where I, um, you know, what's what's the modern-day Pharisee today? What's it sound like? Where's it at? Um, are we any different? Um, did we change? And it all stems about from some of our own practices, our beliefs, our customs, our traditions. They're very little different sometimes than what the Pharisees had set up for their day. They're there. They exist. And our challenge is, I think, do we defend them as this is the word of God when it's not? That's what they did. That's what they did. Um, so if you're looking for something that's, that causes, that is, the word is confrontational here, um, start sharing why you do what you do the way you do it with someone that never did it that way. You know, and you can cause you can cause some conflict and confrontation in a hurry. <clears throat> you know, you might 
think that this is just for him, that this sermon is just for those people out there and it's just going to be for the Pharisees in the Bible. No, I think it's for us. It, it, we need to own it. We need to understand and own it and grow from it. <clears throat> so let's meet these Pharisees in the book of Matthew chapter 3. Let's just read this chapter, I think. This is one of the first places in the gospel that we, that we, meet, that we meet these people. <coughs> let's stand and let's read Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> Not all these verses contained to them, but I just thought it's a short chapter. And just to get a little um, what, what was taking place here and what was happening and, uh, <clears throat> in the beginning of, of Matthew. Um, so Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. And in those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to his baptism, he said unto them, O you generate, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat unto the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer. <coughs> Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You may be seated. <clears throat> There's a thought that just came to me. There's an example of num in 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 a lesson in verse 14 and 15. It's like, do we believe that everything that that takes place and um, that we read or that we hear or that we're a part of is that God wants it for the for the good of us? John says, "Don't come here, Jesus." He forbade him. I'm, there's no way I'm going to baptize you. It can't be. You know, this is not what you know. He thought that was was a was not going to work or be a bad thing. And Jesus told him to suffer it. He said, let it be. Do what you were asked to do and do it because it was, it was supposed to be for the honor and glory of God. <clears throat> um, so if we look at these couple verses where John the Baptist <clears throat> in a little tidbit, okay, a little scene that plays in my mind. I don't know if I'll ever erase it. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But 
in a movie we watched at Dan Fetterspool's house one time, a long time ago, we, we, was watching, we watched Moses, and we went there and watched several things. But we watched an incident where John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, was there along the river, and he was baptizing people. And these Pharisees came along, you know. And they was also, like, they wanted to be baptized. And, you know, the, the, the little funny tidbit, if I want to say it's funny and shouldn't, you know, include that, but he would take those Pharisees when they came down the water and he would dunk them under the water and he'd hold them underneath there till they was almost drowned and tell them to repent, repent, repent. You know, I, I just, for some reason I see that picture and I know it was a movie, okay? But it was, it was just the, the thing of John saying, repent, you know, for the kingdom of God is at hand, <clears throat> or the, that repent of their sins. But when he met them there, the scripture tells us in the word here, erase that scene out of your mind, I guess, but it was always there for me. I just seemed to, I just attached that to the Pharisee people. But when he saw many of them coming, you know, he didn't waste many words with them. He called them a generation of vipers. Now, so these Pharisees must have been going and must have been around for a long time already. This is not just a new class of people that grew up or that was part of, you know, he knew them. He, he knew them. He didn't like them at all. There was something there. He called them out for what they were. The generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. What are you coming here for trying to be saved? And then he also told them, he told them the thing that they said over and over and over again. Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. Don't tell me anything. Abraham is our father. You know, <clears throat> and he told them that God is able to raise up stones, um, raise up children unto Abraham from them stones. He also said how the, you know, that, that the end was here. Um, the axe was laid to the root of the trees. It's going to be cut off, um, bring forth good fruit or bad fruit. Um, I'll leave that. But so anyways, <clears throat> doesn't give us a very good picture if that's all we know about the Pharisees. The Bible doesn't necessarily give us a very balanced picture about the Pharisees. That is not their beginning. That is not how they started out. And to just give you a short thing, if you think about the unions, and what they represent today, they was also started out as a very, very good thing for the working man. And yet today it can be a disaster, you know, if, if, they, if they want to shut things down or go on a strike. <clears throat> um, it's, it's fair to say that the New Testament gives us a one-sided view, which we just saw, of the Pharisees. And that they stood as a major obstacle to Jesus and held much responsibility. They held responsibility for his crucifixion. They did. You know, they said crucify him. Um, they said crucify him. But it does tell us about the spiritual emptiness of, that the people of Israel had. <clears throat> As people that was considered to be, the Pharisees, were, the Pharisees and Sadducees here were considered to be, supposed to be, among the most spiritual people that was in Israel. They represented, according to what John the Baptist said, told us here, a very clear way that their spirituality was empty. <clears throat> so let's, I, you know, let's let this challenge us, I guess, on where we um, where we come in. <clears throat> okay, so just reading a little bit of background, the origin or origin, I guess, I get the pronunciation right here. Nobody knows exactly when they came to existence, but they probably started in the Babylonian exile. This has been raised up in the Babylonian exile, and we know that Daniel, Sadrach. Uh, uh, Abinago and them, they was in that, they was in that time frame. Um, they, they were in that period. So the Asians had came and, and had captured the northern kingdom and the week of faith 
The weak faith of those people and the lack of leadership contributed to their total loss. They got destroyed. They adopted the lifestyle and the religion of the pagans, and they were completely lost as a chosen people of God. <coughs> About 600 B.C., the Babylonians had rose to power, and they defeated the Asians and set their sights on Judah, the southern kingdom of the Jews. Over a period of 15 years, Nebuchadnezzar deported almost all the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. They removed the gold from the palaces and the temples. They took the wealth to their treasury. They destroyed the city walls and the homes and the temple itself. This should have marked the end of the Jewish nation. They had no unifying symbols, no temple, no leaders. They were scattered. They were powerless. And they would have been destroyed except those men that I just said about. We have them that was left. They was saved. They was kept. The fairest among them, Daniel. They was taken into captivity. Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. You know, they still, they were, they were the Jewish nation. They still believed in their God. You know, very, very much. We, we know their story. Um, <clears throat> they were committed to their faith and their identity as a Jewish people. They did not want uh, to repeat what happened. They did not want to repeat of what happened in the northern kingdom. They, they believed their primary task was to educate their young in the Jewish faith and in their worship services. They organized classes for religious instruction, and the synagogue was brought about at that time. That's when they come up with a synagogue. Um, <clears throat> During this time, it became a, became a center of education. 